I'm Brendan Urich, the CEO of Electric Royalties, a new royalty company focused exclusively on all of the clean energy metals required for the uh, transition to global energy or clean energy. Uh, my apologies. Um, you know, what we're really talking about is rebuilding the global infrastructure, you know, towards a decarbonized global economy. And that's going to have a big impact on a large number of metals, um, which are, you know, fairly small markets today, like cobalt, lithium, uh, tin, for example. Um, and, uh, you know, have exponential growth forecasts over the next two decades. And we're looking to acquire royalties on those mines that could uh, supply those metals uh, needed to build out that future. Uh, so we've got about 18 royalties to date. Um, you know, we've got cash flowing royalty and uh, we're growing quickly. So it's an exciting time ahead. It is, Brennan, good to see you, mate. I, I know you're still on holiday, effectively. So I appreciate you dialing and taking time time out for that. Um, hey, look, we're here for Battery Metals Week. Um, we thought we talked to a few people that you know we enjoy speaking to, get their views on what's happening in the marketplace. As things are starting to heat up somewhat, um, unless you're in Serbia, of course. Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy, right? You know, like that that uh, general mine was supposed to be a you know very big lithium mine, uh, uh, expected to bring up a you know large amount of the supply that's going to be needed over the the next few years, and um, you know put a stop to it. Uh, just like that, you know, effectively dead in the water. And uh, Rio Tinto is really planning to build that out as a you know major new unit um, in their business. So yeah, it's it's uh, it's kind of crazy. I mean, the supply side was already very thin, you know, for a lot of these metals. Lithium's a bit of an exception. You know, there's uh, a, a lot of supply in Nevada uh, in clays. No one's ever commercially extracted lithium from clay before, but you know, there's lots of money going into it. Um, you know, there's groups doing that in geothermals in Europe. Uh, groups doing it in, uh, you know, uh, the oil and gas infrastructure in Alberta. You know, so there's lots of lithium out there. Um, but, you know, just a, a sign of uh, how difficult it is to bring in a mine and, and bring it in production. And, you know, people expecting supply to be there, uh, which, quite frankly, is, is not going to, um, you know, for, for whatever reasons. This happened to be from, you know, environmental, social reasons. But, you know, technically, uh, there's a lot of projects out there that have challenges. Um, as well, that are going to be it's going to be tough to to bring on enough supply to to get where we need to go. So we 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 spend a lot of our time trying to help uh, retail investors, family offices, trying to understand the the vagaries of the market. But even for you guys, you there's no way you, well you and Rio would have expected something like this to happen. So jurisdictional risk is is a real thing. It's becoming more and more of a real thing in terms of the decision uh, making for investors across the board. So do you, do you think there's going to be bigger repercussions off the back of this? Yeah, well, look, I think you're seeing that trend globally anyway, you know, whether it's in Chile or whether it's Peru, um, you know, Argentina historically hasn't been uh, so easy. Um, you know, there's there's this challenge is really growing across all the planet. And, you know, in a lot of these countries where mineral endowment is really a big thing, you know, where we're getting 30 percent of our copper out of Chile, you know, and you've seen what's happened there the last couple of years. You know, Peru is a very big metal producer. Um, and, and the discussions they're having right now are quite frightening for a lot of investors as well. So. Yeah, I think there's a, a definitely a trend, you know, globally towards that, um, you know, why we've kind of targeted safe jurisdictions. You know, we're looking for really those domestic sources of supply, those deposits within North America, Europe and Australia um, that could really fit that bill to provide those metals to gigafactories, you know, under construction locally. Um, really being, you know, kind of two things. One is <laughs> the jurisdictional risk, right? You know, when you're going to a country, you know, like Serbia or, uh, you know, even Peru and, and Chile, where you do have some of this kind of social unrest. Um, it's a challenge, right, uh, to bring these projects online. And, you know, when you're talking about an average 15 year development timeline uh, to bring a project online into production, to have something hit you in year 10 or 12 or 14, um, you know, like this, where effectively now the project is killed. Um, <laughs> that's quite frankly, that's one of the big risks about, you know, investing in this space and why 
uh, we've decided to do this as a royalty company where you are diversifying that risk. You're not, you know, on the hook for those development costs and capital costs as you build that out. Um, and so, you know, it's, it is, it's a risky proposition. It's a, definitely an issue um, that you're seeing not only in Serbia, but uh, definitely in countries around the world. So wh- where does this go? Because you've got the lar- l- large part of the economy saying we are going battery metals, we're going health leather for, you know, battery metals yeah, because we need to create this, e- you know, um, greener environment, less c- carbon emissions, less CO2. We want electric cars. We want all of the above. And then you've got part of the population that says, we don't want mines in our backyard. No sorry. Go do that somewhere else. The, the, it's, it's a big kind of conversation, but it's really important for you as part of your decision making. You're part of your diligence process, right? You've got to try and understand yeah. where is it going to creep up next? You, you know, we've, we've known about this with, you know, NGOs funding, you know, anti-money projects, uh, in, across South America. We've started to see some of the same things in North America too. California, Nevada is not, uh, immune to this, right? So yeah. where does this go? Yeah, well, it's going to be interesting. I mean, there has to be a bit of a meeting of the minds here, I think, where you uh, are, are practical. You're based in reality, right? You know, if we're going to transition to clean energy, which the world really needs to do, um, and I think all the governments and, and you know, most people are pretty much on side with that, uh, we are going to need more of these metals. And so there's going to have to be, you know, uh, call it a little bit of pain maybe, you know, to kind of get through it or a little bit of acceptance um, that, you know, to get to our, our kind of end goal is we're going to need more of these metals. We're going to need more mines. You know, I think of the alternatives, you know, I don't think we're ready to mine asteroids yet. So that's not really an alternative. You know, I don't think we should really be touching the deep ocean. Uh, You know, quite frankly, we know more about the moon than we do about the deep ocean. So why would we do that? Um, We've been land mining for a long time, you know, and I think it's something that we can do responsibly. Uh, You know, we really look at the ESG side of things. I think when you look at, you know, stuff like the geothermal lithium uh, that's going into Europe, I mean, that's about as ESG friendly as you could ever be, right? You're, you know, producing renewable energy, you know, and at the same time, you're capturing lithium. So stuff like that, I, I expect definitely, you know, to be kind of uh, taking, you know, uh, priority as we move forward. And we look at that stuff as well. Um, but ultimately, I mean, the supply side is really just, uh, it's its really misunderstood how, how thin it is, right? I mean, when you're talking about some of these metals that we're looking at, there's maybe one district or one project, you know, within a, a continent um, of interest, uh, you know, that has that commodity. And so, it's, it's going to be very interesting. I think the world, you know, the number of people is shocking uh, that actually understand, you know, some of these metals and, and their supply side projections. I mean, we cover nine metals, um, you know, that's more than, <laughs> than most and, and definitely in the clean energy metal space. You know, we're the only group out there really uh, focused exclusively on all these. There are groups that will maybe come in and they'll do a, a graphite royalty. They'll do that. Uh, but no one that's really taken the extensive look at the entire space as we have. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of risk out there, you know, there's, uh, there was a lot of graphite producers that tried to make it in Africa a number of years ago. Um, you know, those all mostly all failed. Uh, you know, there's a number of groups in, in the lithium space that have also tried and, and gone out there and, and equity investors have completely lost their shirt, you know, Namaska lithium probably being, uh, one of the most recent ones in memory, you know, and so it, it, it is a risky space out there for, for equity investors to get into. Um, you know, I think uh, that's why a play like us, where we're giving them exposure to that clean energy metal space, you know, we're using our uh, dedicated information and, and due diligence to pick out the ones that we actually, you know, think have a chance of making it through where we see things going um, here as we move on. And so, you know, I think we've, we've become a good place for, for investors to, if they want exposure to this space, 
you know, they don't have to take the risk of, of trying to pick out these projects individually, making their own bets on where things will go. You know, we've got a pretty good sense uh, of where things are going. I think if you look at our portfolio right now, it's lithium heavy. Uh, lithium prices were up 400% last year. Um, and so, you know, I think uh, that's going to happen quite frankly across all these commodities at some point. Um, but lithium was just the first to go. It was, it was obviously one that was uh, kind of foremost in investors' minds. But prices have been jumping up across all these different metals. Um, you know, 100% basically in tin, 75% in cobalt last year. Um, you know, copper was like a buck fifty. Uh, you know, not about 18 months ago, right? So uh, now it's about 450. Um, and so I think you're going to see this really hit all these different metals all at once. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's an interesting time. It's a very interesting time, Matt. It's, no, it totally is. And I want to come back to a phrase you used earlier. You know, it's um, the 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 thin on thin on the ground. Good projects are thin on the ground, meaning that just because there are lots of companies who purport to be in the business of copper, tin, gold, whatever it is, it doesn't mean they're all going to become mines. And that's what that's you, in your business line of business. You need as much certainty as you can garner. Uh, that the company will actually get into production. Otherwise, you don't make any money, right? You've wasted your money, yeah, right? Yeah. So, so, I, and, and so I'll say this for you, right? But so, so, so it doesn't become a complete conversation about royalties. So you, everyone should have a royalty or two in their portfolio for sure. It's, it's kind of a, a less risky way of approaching investing in the, in the broader metals and mineral space, right? But for those who perhaps want to, you know, carve their own path for part of their portfolio, what are the things that you look to in terms of the diligence process? We talked about some of the jurisdictional um, components there, but what else should people be looking at? Yeah, well, there's a lot. I mean, if you just look at the mining side generally, so, you know, taking out the fact that the battery metal space is a little bit different, you know, processing can be a little bit more difficult um, and there's a little bit more challenges to it. You know, mining itself is a very difficult uh, game, you know, uh, at the end of the day, it's a 15 year average development timeline, right? From somebody who says they're exploring for copper, they put a hole down, uh, you know, it's not like oil and gas where cash flow starts coming out of that right away, right? You, you hit rock, you assay the core, you might need to spend another $200 million to get it along that kind of 15 year timeline. And along that way, there's about a hundred different make or break moments, you know, from uh, permitting to metallurgy, uh, to, you know, actually be able to build out a resource that uh, is mineable, um, you know, and, and so there's there's a lot of different make or break moments technically just in any given mining project. I think what the uh, clean energy metal space adds on top of that is the metallurgy. You know, it's definitely the most challenging piece um, when you're talking about you need to get to 99.9 you know, percent uh, purity for, for battery grade quality and, and this and that, you know, that's very challenging. Um, and I think if you look at in the graphite space and the manganese space, you know, as those are developing for the EV space, um, you know, each project seems to be kind of unique in terms of the metallurgy and, and uh, their approach and also to finding the, those off takers that can actually use that product. Um, and so the metallurgy is definitely something that we focus a lot on. I'd say, uh, you know, a good 25% of our time, 30%. I think the classic ones, you know, if you have infrastructure, you know, if you have a, a renewable power source, definitely nearby hydropower, you know, something on the ESG friendly side that, that would help, you know, get into production. That's always a positive. I think you definitely look at management team, but quite frankly, for us, it's more about the deposit because our royalties are going to stick to that deposit no matter what, even if management, you know, messes up uh, as it were. Um, so we're not too concerned about management. We always feel like we could maybe help introduce somebody if they need some help on that front. For us, it really is about the deposit. You know, is this actually going to be a, a, a large deposit that 
um, off takers are going to want. You know, I think off takers are going to want something they know is going to be there for 20, 30 years. Uh, you know, especially when you look at the challenges, how much testing and uh, making sure that that product fits what they need um, when you go through that. Uh, you know, so looking at something that could have, have size, you know, that could be around for a long time. Um, you know, definitely jurisdictional risk is a piece of it. But there's lots of different technical aspects that go into it. You know, I mean, it's it's hard. I've been doing this for 10 years. I started as an analyst. You know, I've looked at probably uh, 2000 projects. You know, a lot of them I've looked at multiple times. Um, and so you pick up a lot of things to look at along the way. Uh, but metallurgy definitely being that kind of more complicated piece. Um, and then also looking at the ESG side, you know, because that can be a very powerful driver uh, for a project to move forward, um, you know, in this environment. I definitely think with funding sources, especially as well, um, being able to actually finance that thing, you know, through to production. Uh, so there's lots of different things that we look at. Um, it is a tricky space. I think if you look at guys like, you know, even Elon Musk seemed to have gotten tripped up by mining. Uh, you know, the guy can, you know, plan missions to Mars, but, uh, you know, he probably thought mining was, you, you, you know, you dig out a little hole and you, you throw that ore onto a, a conveyor belt and it gets processed. But, you know, it's, it's very uh, much more challenging than people understand to bring a mine into production. It, no, absolutely, absolutely is, and it takes longer than most people think, and most of the time it doesn't work. But let's let's go to the ESG bit, bit because for battery metals, it, it's it's got to be quite important uh, to get that bit right, entirely right, because the OEMs, if if that's your main market, will demand it, or battery uh, makers will demand that of of you. And to a degree, I think the industry. <sighs> Doesn't quite actually understand what it means. They don't actually have the same unique, uh, sorry, uh, same uniform view of what ESG means. And coupled with the kind of uh, greenification or the greenwashing of some of these stories that are out there, it, it makes for a sort of mixed reading or difficult reading for investors. Yeah, well, there's always going to be, you know, when there's a trend, there's always going to be those groups that change their name and, <laughs> you know, to, to, to one thing or another battery metals this, battery materials that. Uh, you know, I'm basically just trying to, you know, uh, cap along on the play. Um, and there's a few groups that I saw change them to gold names and then change them right back, you know, a year later. And so, yeah, it, it makes it challenging. You know, I think if you look at the, the general mining companies that are public right there, you know, I'd say a third of them are probably zombies right out of the gate where they're never going anywhere. They don't have a real asset, you know, and investors are probably not going to ever see any returns on them. So there are, there's a lot of wishwash out there and there are always going to be those people that, um, are, are, are trying to just do it on the play, you know, us going green and, and this and that. But, you know, investors really have to kind of look at what the actual assets are, what the plan is, you know, what are they buying into um, at the end of the day? And, uh, you know, I think getting exposure to all these kind of key deposits in all the safe jurisdictions, you know, like kind of like what we've done. I mean, that's something where we've got real assets, you know, we've got real exposure to these deposits, um, you know, in, in North America, Australia, and Europe that are, are have a very good chance, I would say, I'm not going to say 100%, but have a very good chance of actually, uh, you know, providing those metals, uh, whether it be lithium or, or zinc or tin or, or whatnot, um, you know, to these end users. So, uh, yeah, you gotta, you gotta be careful <laughs> is what I would say, right? I mean, uh, there's a lot of dogs out there, um, you know, and it's, it's gets easier to spot them in time, but, uh, for your, you know, if you're a brand new investor, coming in the space, you know, I'd always say uh, to new investors coming to the space, I'm glad you met me first um, because otherwise you'd lose, you know, what happens that has happened, you know, new investors come to the space, they find the wrong group, uh, that group, you know, wipes everybody out and then those guys never come back. Uh, and it's happened, you know, quite a few times. So, you know, we need, we need more capital to space. 
uh, hopefully that capital can you know, find a good home and, and make some money uh, first to six around. Well, there, unless I love the phrase zombies out of the gate. I'm, I'm going to use that. Um, it's it's <laughs> a perfect true. description. And, I, you know, I, I'm 30 percent, I think, is, is being is being generous, generous in, in, um, in the wrong direction. I think, you know, there's about 30 percent of projects which will actually make it in some way, shape or form. The rest is just milking the market. But I'm. Um, yeah. But, but back, back over um, to um, the, the, you know, some some, some of the, the the growth component, right? So we all invest because of the growth component, right? If I look at the demand numbers across the battery metals, all all, all of them, it would suggest that the in, the mining sector is going to grow four, five, six, ten times, depending on which numbers you look at. It's a very small space at the moment with very few players, which who influence the market disproportionately. I I, I feel. Do you feel that with yeah. sort of this new money, which you said we need new money coming in, not just on retail, but also some new institutional money or um, you know new family office money, wherever it's coming from, it, it's going to have different demands or make different demands on the industry. We've talked about you know ESG and and, and, the, and the green green component for for one, but do you think? Um, they, I'm just trying to work out where the pitfalls are because they're going to make some demands and say, you need to do it this way. But the reality is we're going to run out of this stuff or we can't mine enough of this stuff or not enough success cases in terms of, in terms of the ability to bring production to meet that demand in here. Do you think we're going to end up in some sort of bifurcated market where there's going to be the green, clean, good stuff and you get to charge a premium for it? And then there's going to be, well, if you want it, it's here. But we've not done any of that green stuff. <laughs> well, I think it probably will be something like that, you know, where there will always be a premium to, to certain groups. Um, you know, we do need new money in the sector. I think the exciting part is if you think about the mining sector, you know, relative to the oil and gas sector, which is, you know, essentially what the clean energy metal space is going to be cannibalizing over the next kind of 20, 30 years. Uh, the oil and gas sector is about you know, four or five times bigger uh, than the mining market, you know, as a whole. Uh, clean energy metal space in mining, you know, today it's definitely growing, but, you know, at, Two years ago, it was maybe you know, five, 10 percent of the market. Um, and so what you're really talking about, though, is a, a fundamental shift in the mining sector, you know, where the clean energy metal space is going to be you know, four or five times bigger, I believe, um, than the traditional mining sector you know, that we've had for the last kind of 50 years here. So I think that part's exciting. Um, you know, I think the growth profile is incredible. You know, I was reading another report this morning uh, from the International Energy Agency. Yeah, and they're predicting anywhere from like five to 20 times, you know, for uh, lithium, nickel, uh, you know, graphite. And that's just over the next kind of 10 years here. So uh, 20 times uh, increase in supply. That's quite a bit. You know, I mean, we don't have to be uh, uh, we can be off quite a bit on those demand projections. And we're still going to see prices jump, um, you know, four or five hundred percent over the next decade. And I think it's only a matter of time uh, before people start to realize that, you know, lithium was 400 uh, percent last year. It's definitely got the spotlight. Um, you know, it's one of the key metals of this clean energy uh, tra transition. But, uh, you know, a lot of these other metals are, are just as thin. You know, that's the very first thing we did right before we started was we looked through the projects out there on the supply side for all these metals. What actually has a chance of making into production and where 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 would we actually fill that gap? And we're expecting demand shortages really across most of these metals within five years. You know, for a lot of these metals, we're already there. Um, you know, partially because projects, um, you know, just like in Serbia there, they don't come online as people expect. Um, and that will always be a thing. That's always, you know, there's a lot of projects out there people thought were going to go into production, uh, obviously, because a lot of money went into them um, that, that, you know, ultimately did not make it there. So 
it's it's going to be very interesting. I think uh, this would be the space to be in, right, over the next 10 years. I can't imagine, um, you know, an area of, of higher growth and uh, potential, um, you know, and still very few investors actually, uh, you know, in the space. Do you, do you think it's going to be easier to make mistakes as an investor or as a royalty company going forward? Because if the price is right, you... <laughs> You got some pretty crummy projects, which which will work, but it may take a little bit longer to get 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 the the price discovery, or maybe not. I mean, what, what's your view on you know the sustainability of the prices across the board for battery metals at the moment? Yeah, well, look, I think you're going to see. I think lithium prices have jumped up huge, and when lithium prices jump up that much, a lot more projects become more economical. A lot more money comes into the space, and then you know you kind of uh, get a bit of a supply demand balance, right? And so. Yeah, there'll always be little fluctuations like that after a big influx of capital, you know, that's chasing lithium. But I think the interesting thing is um, all that money went into lithium. There's still no, not much money that's going into tin. There's no not much money going into zinc. You know, there's not much money going into the graphite space. You know, there's really one private equity group out there that's focused like we are on the clean energy metal space. And that'd be Pallinghurst, I would say. Um, but, you know, one kind of serious institutional group out there. So, yeah, it'll be, I think, across the broad space. And we are, you know, not focused on any one commodity. I think that's the exciting part is that there will be, you know, probably a pullback a little bit in lithium at some point in time here. You know, things don't just go up 400% year over year. Uh, I think the exciting thing is that you're going to see that general trend of growth, um, you know, where you look at 400%, 500% increases across all these metals, you know, over the next kind of five, 10 years. So where does that leave a company like you, right? You're, you're I say, one of the newer entrants in, into the marketplace. Um, you know, I mean, you've you got you guys have been moving sideways for the year. It's been a really strange six, eight months across the board, quite frankly. So the commodity price is shooting through. If equities are sitting, waiting to see if we're going to go to war or if we are going to have the economies crushed by, uh, you know, moves from the Fed or, or, or you know, uh, t- in, increase in interest rates across the board globally. It, it's a funny, it's a funny time. But where does this story that we've just talked about, this battery metals thematic that we've just talked about, where does that leave you in conversations with regards to go and raising capital to go and make more of these? Um, you know, to, you know, create more of these royalties that you that you want to create. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's interesting. I would say, um, you know, there's a lot of money that's looking at this space. You know, some of that money can't come into public equities like ours. Uh, you know, some of this money is is you know in stock and funds and private. But you know, we've had a lot of discussions with groups where uh, because we have access to deal flow, you know, there's groups out there willing to. Put together funding structures, quite frankly, that are like very favorable, uh, you know, towards us uh, that you haven't seen before in the mining space. So there's there's lots of money. There's just a lot less people out there that are really uh, knowledgeable about the space and can actually deploy that capital. You know, so uh, that's the interesting part. I think there's a lot of groups learning. I've talked to a lot of oil and gas investors uh, who are you know keen to kind of see where do we put our money um, because the writing's on the wall there, you know, as well over the next kind of 20 years and. And those oil families tend to think longer term as well, right? You know, kind of have a hundred year outlook. So there's a lot of those groups that are looking and, and talking to us right now um, that were not talking to us, you know, 18 months ago, two years ago. So, uh, you know, we are going to have to go do some, some financing here at some point, but I feel very confident this time, you know, that there are definitely a lot of sources out there looking to get exposure to this space, looking at to deploy capital, um, you know, and they love the idea of, of a group like ours being able to diversify that exposure um, you know, in a lower risk way. So, uh, you know, like I said, you know, it hasn't been a strong suit of ours necessarily, you know, in the past doing equity financing and, and raising that capital, but 
um, the market's changed significantly, you know, over the last uh, uh, kind of 12 months, 18 months. Yeah, I mean, it, it really has. I mean, yeah, Outlook for 2020 um, is, I, I, well, what, what, what your, what's your take? You know, I'm, I'm sitting here waiting for the market's going to work out what, the, what they want to be. And I think the markets want certainty over, you know, R- Russia, Ukraine, uh, amongst, and amongst other things. But what, what's your take on how you play it this year? Yeah. So, you know, I, when I was focused on the gold space, you know, I hated it, right? I was always, is Fred, Fred Bernanke going to, you know, raise interest rates or, you know, dial back the uh, tapering, you know, and that'd be the impact on gold prices and everybody's looking at the world right now. What's going to happen to Ukraine? Are we going to go to war in Ukraine? Um, and, and, you know, it's getting over the COVID stuff. So it's a bit of a weird year. When I look at this space, what's exciting is, you know, I don't think this trend is going anywhere. We need to do this, you know, as a planet. And so long-term, I'm still just, strategically looking at you know, what projects have the best chance of making it. Uh, and when you look at a 15 year average development timeline, if you're picking the best projects in year 10, year 12 in that timeline, those are going to be the projects that are you know, most likely to come online. Uh, so we're just, you know, as everybody else is kind of worried about this and worried about that, we're just trying to go out there and use this time and opportunity while we're still one of the few groups out there uh, to just kind of keep growing and, and looking at good deals and, and picking up assets. Um, knowing that, you know, over the long term, uh, we're not going to lose.